Welcome to Leading the Change, a podcast mini-series brought to you by Fine Gael. And it's about encouraging more women and people from diverse backgrounds to get involved in politics. My name is Maria Walsh. I'm a member of the European Parliament for Midlands Northwest constituency. And over the next few episodes, I'll be talking to Fine Gael politicians and activists about why they got involved in politics. In today's episode, we speak to leader of Fine Gael, Antishuk Leo Varadkar. And as you will hear, we talk from everything about his early years and getting involved in politics, his many campaigns, what equality means to him, uh, his own journey in equality, and much, much more. He even included advice to women and people from diverse backgrounds to get involved. I certainly enjoyed it. I hope you do too. Hi. Thanks very much for giving us time today. Um, Leo. Uh, I really wanted to pick apart certain parts of your uh, your your journey in uh, in politics and and of course as Taoiseach and uh, party leader of Fine Gael and to kind of bring it back to the beginning uh, with your mum Miriam a nurse who managed the practice and your dad uh, Ashok uh, being the GP. Um, did you discuss politics at the kitchen table or was it something that? you saw someone else doing and, and you were inspired by that or, or, or how did it really begin? How did the seed get planted? Yeah, well, well we, we did talk about politics um, and religion and money and all those things at the dinner table that you're not supposed to talk about, So, um, which is a good thing, I think. Um, and um, so neither of my parents were ever involved in, in a political party or anything like that. Um, but um, we would have definitely spoken about politics at, at the dinner table and we know one thing we would have done as a family at night would have watched the news so i was always very aware of the news and dad because he lived in england for so long always liked to watch the bbc news as well as the rt news so you'd get a different perspective um and um used to be very interested in elections as a kid uh, i know a lot of people who get involved in politics mm. it often starts with an interest in mm. elections and voting and so on and my dad wasn't a citizen so he wasn't able to vote at the time uh, but my mum was and you know remember you know, the, the, the kind of fun of going down to the polling station to vote with her, and I found the whole thing really exciting. And uh, I, I guess like a lot of people, politics can be a, an interest and, and a vocation, but it can also be a bit of a bug as well. Yeah. And I kind of got caught that bug early in life, certainly when I was seven or eight, I was interested in politics, which now looking back was strange, but there you go. But Takes was all sorts. it strange? I mean, for many ways, you know, when you, you say there, um, you know, probably community, from what I'm picking up from community were influential figures, perhaps, like people you would have seen in the polling stations. Mm. Was that, was, was, was that what was the catalyst to, to, to get, get involved and run or, and I, and I say this uh, a little bit because I'm so glad you mentioned it yourself. Uh, when I talk to young people in schools and they say, we didn't discuss politics at our kitchen table, we discussed community. So, mm. Church gate collections, sweeping the community centre, Marsh and Paddy's Day parades, all of those things were discussed. Who was around to fundraise? Um, and I was really inspired as a teenager in, I called myself the Obama baby, by his communication style mm. uh, because I was an American born but Irish raised. Um, so he perhaps was the first step of Catalyst at a political level. Like, who was that for, for you? Yeah, well, for, for, for me, it was I'm slightly older than you. Um, just so, um, just get a, that on record there. Era, so, um, <laughs> yeah, it would have been, been more the 1980s. So I would have caught the tail end of the Garrett versus mm. uh, Charlie uh, period. Um, but then probably in my more formative political years when I was um, uh, in college, um, we were, it was very much the kind of New Labour Blair project that mm. was very interesting. 
the third way, uh, you know, what was happening around the world. Um, uh, Bill Clinton would have, would have been president of the States. Uh, and then also it was the time when the Berlin Wall was falling and, you know, communism was defeated uh, and we were seeing the march of democracy and economic and personal freedom across the world. And in some ways, we've actually gone a bit backwards since then. Uh, but at the time, that was unthinkable. You know, it was mm. uh, we were having peace in Northern Ireland. We were on the brink of peace, believe it or not, between Israel and Palestine. Um, in China, people were protesting for democracy. Uh, Russia was having free elections, Turkey too. Um, Eastern Europe was about to join uh, the European Union with enlargement. So uh, like it was a time of, of immense optimism, actually. Um, and I think now is also a time of optimism, by the way, but it was particularly heady then mm. when almost anything was possible and politics is the art of the possible. Well, I, well, I think it's the sentence. science of everything and the art of the possible. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to phrase that. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's amazing to hear, because I don't think I've ever heard you share um, all the influences that were going on at a, at a global geopolitical level before. Mm. And perhaps you haven't. Uh, I'm showing my bad sign of research here. But, you know, all of that impact. And you would imagine today in 2023 with a lot of instability worldwide in, in our politics, um, from the States to mm. all the countries you mentioned, uh, to war against Ukraine. Um, and then... I always assume, well, social media is playing a part of that and, you know, that communication is just so fast. But to your point, um, it was still at the forefront of everybody yeah. here. It, it's got faster now. Mm. I, I think one thing, life and politics yeah. has just got a lot faster and it's a lot more instant. Um, and there's pluses and minuses to that. Um, but, um, but certainly, you know, I was always kind of interested in the world and uh, globally aware. You know, the fact that my dad... Um, came from India, was a Hindu, albeit not a practicing one, you know, always meant that I knew there was another another world out there and a wider world out there. Um, and, you know, I think actually that's something we kind of miss about Ireland sometimes, uh, even though we're well-traveled and we're worldwide as a people, sometimes we can be a bit insular. And if you think of some of the problems that we're facing now at the moment uh, in Ireland, you know, whether it's inflation, whether it's uh, dealing with migration, um, whether it's uh, you know aspects of of the housing crisis, the pressure that our health service is under with an aging demographic, um, like th these aren't problems unique to Ireland, and mm. sometimes we, we think and speak as if they are, and it's really interesting to see how they exist in almost every other developed country in some form or another, and also how well they deal with them, how well they don't, the mistakes they make, and you know I think we can learn a lot from other countries, mm. um, and we maybe don't do that enough, and sometimes we don't appreciate how well we compare uh, mm. with. Um, with other countries we don't on everything but uh, by and large ireland is in the top 10 or 20 in yeah. pretty much every league table that exists and i think we can be proud of what's been achieved over the past hundred years but uh no no space for self-congratulation because there's um a lot more to mm. do yeah i mean this this podcast title is leading the change and um and you know just hearing you always keep an eye to what is going on from even a young age hmm. uh from your lived experience to what you see what you what you grew up politically um to where you are now as Taoiseach and party leader um it's phenomenal because to your point we are we are we are a small island but we are doing phenomenally well in so many aspects on an international scene um and, and that leading change doesn't happen overnight. And uh, to, to the next question about leading change, I'd love to hear your story because um, you threw your hat into the ring as a candidate 
in the 1999 local elections. I won't tell you how old I was at that point, uh, uh, just to make you feel a little bit older there, uh, Leo. Uh, but what prompted you? Um, like, were you approached? Was it something that, given all that you just shared there, that you thought, um, this is for me, or um, I, I, if I, not I, now, I, when? I, I put myself forward. Um, you know, I'm not sure it was a good idea, by the way, because I <laughs> didn't get elected and didn't get very many votes. But I think sometimes you learn more from the elections you lose than mm. the ones that you win. And uh, thankfully, I haven't lost any elections since, um, at least not, not as a candidate. Um, but um, uh, pro probably probably a bit of a kind of a 20-year-old um, or 21-year-old, whatever I was, guy who kind of thought I knew everything and knew all the answers. And um, I didn't. And I still and I have a better realisation that as you get older, I think you realise that you, you don't have all the answers and uh, the questions and topics you deal yeah, with. Yeah, but you have the passion to find the answers. Yeah, yeah. and, and I I, I know, and just at the, at the time that there was there was a vacancy, um, the party had no candidate in what was uh, then called the Mulholland electoral area. Uh, I didn't live in the area, but um, you know, thought I'd give it a go, and I did, and uh, was hoping I'd pull it off, and uh, didn't unfortunately, but um, learned learned a lot from that election, that experience. Was it? Your first time canvassing a door, what did that feel like in comparison yeah. to now as arriving mm. arriving into a constituency as as Taoiseach? Well, like, like a lot of candidates, I actually do remember exactly what door it was. Uh, really? It was, it was in Castlefield Estate in Clonsilla. Um, and I could even tell you what, 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 what house it was. Um, so like it is a, it is a, it's, it's one thing knocking on a door in a referendum campaign looking for a yes vote or a no vote, whatever, or knocking on a door looking for support for a different candidate. Um, when you're the candidate, it's a suddenly a totally different experience. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and um, But one, one, you know, I, I'd recommend, you, yeah. you know, like what's the yeah. worst thing that can happen? You know, I know. Elected, you know? But of course, you know, like, like one thing as a candidate, the first thing any candidate has to do is get known. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes there's a wave behind a particular party and people get elected on that wave. Um, many or most don't survive uh, the subsequent election. Um, but one of the first things you have to do as a candidate is get known. And one thing that can be very obvious uh, when you start off knocking on doors is that most people don't know who you are. And obviously that's a different experience yeah. now when I when I go knocking on doors. Yeah, because I, uh, you know, and I think a huge part of this podcast and, and all the work that the the party internally is doing and, and we in government um, and as equality drivers uh, of, of change is breaking down those boundaries and barriers that people feel that they can't put their hand up exactly what you did in 1999 or I did in 2019 and um, and even from the way it was politics was discussed at your kitchen table and not necessary a different type of politics was discussed at mine it's just making sure that people see and hear and feel that there is there is opportunity um to, to put your name forward, be it as a candidate or a support of the the candidate, mm. or uh, or just being a part of uh, of um, of change. I remember when you ran, you were kind of approached, isn't that right? Well, but it it, 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 was it was a bit of a it was a dance. I think it was originally. I remember the story, and maybe it isn't true that you were you were maybe interested in running in the local elections. I was. It was suggested that <laughs> no. you might skip that rung and <laughs> I remember <laughs> go straight for Strasbourg. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, I came, I went to, uh, I'm an alumni of Women for Election um, and uh, found myself here uh, in Finnegal headquarters 
the meeting, I always shared the meeting lasted five minutes and I asked to run at local level. I was told no. And then the idea about Europe through uh, was thrown out uh, because I was part of the International Rosa Tree experience too. So, and I'd been in Ireland for quite a time at, at that point. And, um, and then the conversation took off from there. Um, but we had never been a part of, you know, the first count centre. I'm so envious hearing your story at times because the first count centre I'd been at was was my own. Um, and I always remember picking up little pieces of, of nuggets of great leadership and support along the way from the campaign, from the likes of yourselves and, and other members on the ground who are just a part of this wave of let's, let's win a second seat in the constituency, yeah. But... The dance, I call it a dance uh, more than approach. But uh, from your side, um, because there was a, a tweet that uh, uh, came out after the 2014 local elections. Um, and it was really, it, it showed your, uh, a great empathetic side um, that, uh, to read the tweet for everybody listening, is to all the defeated candidates. First time I ran in the local elections, I bombed. Uh, 380 votes. 12 years later, I was appointed to the cabinet don't give up. Um, now as Taoiseach and party leader, uh, it just goes to show you even that quick snapshot of a tweet, uh, the journey and the ambitions one and one one has in this ever-changing you know world that we live in. Any any insight or inspiration in those um, in listening back to that? Yeah, like that, that that was a, that was a tough local elections for the for the party. Um, we'd been in government. Um, that was during the first term of Finnegale being back in government and midterm elections, local elections are always tough when you're the party in government because the you know the protest vote tends to go against you for obvious reasons and a lot of really good people who I would have known uh, were candidates um, and uh, deserved to get elected mm. on that day, um, not just in Finnegale and other parties as well, and uh, and lost out and you know I just had that reflection that I wanted to share with them that. Um, you know, people, good people lose elections, good candidates lose elections, don't necessarily take it pers too personally, and, uh, you know, don't be afraid to go again. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've been kind of fortunate in, in, in elections since then. Um, but if you look at anyone across the doll now, for example, uh, you know, President Sinn leader of the opposition, mm -hmm. Mary Lou MacDonald, um, lost her seat in the European Parliament. Mm -hmm. You know, people forget that. And, you know, she's doing, doing very well now in the polls. Um, Ivana Batic, leader of the Labour Party, I'm not sure how many times she ran for the doll, but she ran a few times and um, it, it just wasn't her time. But, mm. you know, your time can come around. And like I say, I don't think anyone should be afraid to be a candidate. Uh, the worst thing that can happen is that you lose. And even if you do lose, um, if you liked it or if you you still have the passion for it, um, there'll be another election yeah. coming along. Mm, not too sure. long after that. I know, for sure. Um, from a from a party perspective, um, to pick your brain here a little bit, um, uh, this, uh, you as our leader, um, uh, the many women and men uh, who are great allies of gender equality and um, and wanting to see and feel and live full equality, uh, you often say we are a republic unfinished. And I'd mm. love to hear from your side, and not just from a national perspective or you know an international scene, but at a at a at a party level, um, the supports that that for those listening. Uh, women and 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 you know future members, candidates, future leaders that are from diverse backgrounds. You know, what are the key supports that you'd like them to hear? Yeah, well, I, I I'm not sure 
if, uh, I think I borrowed that term from somebody else. It may have been Francis Fitzgerald, but she might have borrowed it from somebody else. <laughs> um, and sharing you know, is caring, <laughs> though. Absolutely, and uh, like it is something I genuinely believe that we we, we are a republic unfinished uh, until such a time as we have uh, equality of opportunity. And while we've come on leaps and bounds as a country in that regard, um, we still don't have um, real uh, equality of opportunity in Ireland. And that means everyone having a fair go, um, mm. an equal chance doesn't necessarily mean equality of outcome. You know, I do think that people who work hard should be rewarded for that. People who invent things or change things should be rewarded for that. But everyone should have an equal chance and a fair go and a second mm. chance because uh, mm. um, um, a lot of people need that too. Um, and we're, you know, one of the areas where we're, we're we're not in a good place, I think, is the um, number of women uh, in senior positions in business across the public service uh, and in politics. Mm. Um, and we're very keen as a party to encourage more um, candidates to go forward, um, particularly those um, who are women, those who come from diverse backgrounds. Um, and we're keen to put additional support uh, around those candidates, um, you know, advice and mentoring and helping with selection conventions, um, all of those things are, are available. And we've had some very good results. You know, as you know, if you take our MEP team, um, is, is it I think th three, over, three over five MEPs are, yeah. are women, three uh, or which five. is good. Yeah. And, um, and, and and quite unheard of in yeah, across yeah, Europe yeah, yeah, when you have list systems of, of men. Absolutely, yeah, mm. yeah. And, you know, of the six people I had the privilege to appoint to cabinet, th th three are women. Mm. Um, and... Uh, um, it, but it, there just aren't still enough coming through the ranks and, and it's not just at TD level or Senate level e even within the organisation mm. uh, if I go to a constituency AGM and I'm going to those at the moment um, which is still not, not enough women on the officer board and that's that, that's a shame it's a pity and I, I, I you know it's hard to know what what we have to do to change that um, you know you and I were at the Young Finnegal conference yeah. uh, there, there in Galway not too long ago and it was a you know predominantly male audience. And it's not that there were too many men. There weren't. There just weren't enough women. Yeah. And if we had as many women, young women in the room as we had men, we'd have a, a much bigger crowd for yeah. a start. And uh, and I think it would have been a much and a true much representation of a yeah. Because ultimately, I think any political party that wants to lead Ireland has to look like Ireland. Absolutely. Uh, and when you look um, around the Dáil Chamber, um, or you look at uh, you know anybody's party conference, mm. if that doesn't roughly reflect the breakdown of the population, then I think there's something wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think what is so, uh, you know, even this podcast uh, conversation with you in terms of leading that change, unpacking the mystery of Finnegale, uh, unpacking the mystery of getting involved in our political landscape and regardless of your creed, orientation, skin color, uh, age, um, that there is a place because you are a member of our community and our community has to be reflective mm. in, in all aspects of, of our life. Yeah, and I think actually one thing we need to be sensitive to is the whole issue of age mm. uh, because I think all parties are very keen to have young candidates, um, which is great and is true, but you know, older candidates can be great as well. And a lot of older people have a lot to give. Um, I know one thing um, Ray McGuinness said to me, uh, she, she, she said that when I ran, when she ran for the first time for election, she was older than I am now. Uh, and, you know, look look at the political career she's had. She's a European commissioner and uh, I think she's other places to go yeah. um, even after that. And um, and she didn't run for election, I think, until she was 45 or 46. Uh, and there are a lot of people who I would know now that are retired from 
what they were doing before. You know, maybe they ran a business, maybe they're a school principal, I don't know, <laughs> local doctor, whatever. Uh, those people have a lot to give. And I'd love to see some older men and women coming forward as candidates mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, the I mean, I, I, to, to your point, everything is transferable in skill set. Um, yeah. And we have to break down the notion. Um, and this party, I think, does it really, really well. Um, and, and again, I, I hope all the supports people are hearing through this, uh, through the mentorship program, through uh, the diversity and inclusion officer and the candidate support program officer that was appointed here by the party that hears and feels that. Because if you have an interest, a passion, regardless of where you're coming from or um, um, that you belong in our landscape of, of politics. Uh, and, and I think that, and I, I, I know you agree with this, that that gives us the best policy um, because we hear all the voices uh, at the t at the table, and that's where, you're, where you ultimately change um, the communities people are living in. Yeah, no, I I think that's true, and um, um, you know, political parties aren't focus groups, so you you don't necessarily want to form policy on the basis of doing a representative poll. You know what I mean? So so you know, I think what unites people in political parties is 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 is, is a shared set of values. Mm. Um, but that can, you know, that doesn't break down on gender lines or, um, or, 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 you know, racial lines or, or even on socioeconomic lines. Mm. So it's it's the values I think that unite a party, mm. both their, both the tradition of the party, which is important because every party mm. has a story, um, but also what are the values and the values that inform the vision for the future. Mm. For you, what's the th those values that you just passionately shared there? You know, what are the, the key ones that you want people to hear, hear you from? Yeah, well, I think there are a few things. You know, for us in Fine Gael, the tradition of the party is very important. You know, going back to Michael Collins and Arthur Griffith and W.T. Cosgrave, you know, the party that um, founded the state and made it a republic and um, uh, has been very much intertwined with, with the history of the state from its very beginning. You know, some people believe Ireland is a failed state. It's not. Uh, we're very proud of our state, notwithstanding its flaws, and um, we're going to protect it from those who would seek to tear it down. Um, uh, they might use different methods of tearing it down than they used in the past, but they still do want to tear it down. Um, uh, and then in terms of values, you know, we're very much a party that believes in equality of opportunity, everyone having a fair go in life, particularly children. Uh, we're very much a party that believes in enterprise and reward. You know, we understand that before you distribute wealth, you have to create it. Mm -hmm. So you need to encourage business. You need to encourage um, uh, uh, reward work in particular. Um, uh, also, a big focus on, on home ownership, which I know some people listening might think, how can the Iraqi be talking about home ownership? But, you know, we believe it is the best form of housing security and one thing that's really given me a bit of hope in the last few months is, is seeing the big increase in the number of first-time buyers you know we've more first-time buyers uh um in december and january just gone by than we've had since we started counting them back in 2010 that really gives me hope that uh, we can become a home-owning democracy again because we'd fallen back on that for quite some time um traditionally we call ourselves the party of law and order um I don't like that term because it sounds a little bit hard line, but we're definitely the party that believes in, in security mm. uh, in many different ways, um, strong and secure and safer communities in particular. And then, as you know from your work, uh, a party that's very committed to, uh, to European integration, uh, and we always have been. Um, and, um, you know, the history books, I think, uh, teach us that we were right uh, about Europe and 
we've always been in favour of being part of the European project. Um, people might know this, but when we joined 50 years ago, there were only two parties that were in favour of yeah. uh, us joining the European Union, and uh, or the EEC as it was then, and, and we were one of those. And I think uh, I think, think we made those big historical calls correctly. Yeah. Um, um, with the values piece, um, I must share, and I, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you before, but um, when when I was speaking, when I was thinking about running for politics myself, uh, and, and I get asked this quite a bit from from uh, particularly TY students around the constituency, it's like, why that party? You know, why Fine Gael? Um, and, you know, I get some surprise when I say, well, it's not necessarily always about policy, but it's about the values that of, mm. of the people that are at the table of change. So I know um, the likes of yourself, and I'm not saying this just because you're sitting in front of me, but the likes of yourself and our other uh, our other leaders, and that's not just senior cabinet, but that's also county councillors right across the country and members wouldn't leave a table when there's a hard negotiation that needs to be made. Um, and that's an, an incredible value. And, and, and our party was so forthcoming when I talk about uh, women's rights when I talked about LGBTQI rights um, and for me that is a value that in a lot of political parties right across Europe I see it on a daily basis you don't always find that come to the fore immediately um, and I think that's something that we should be incredibly proud of um, which then you know leads me to a way from your own you and I share uh as members of the rainbow community, as well as many other things that make us who we are and that our values are our base of that. If you don't mind me, mind me saying, please correct me if, if I'm wrong though. But, um, you know, and then when I, when I joined, uh, uh, Gael, I was so conscious of walking into rooms as the, the gay or truly, uh, <laughs> which sounds so, you know, so I, I, wrong I, I, at the time, I, but I, I was really conscious of that. Yeah. I, I can understand that's how you must've felt. Yeah. That's not how people ever saw you. Oh. But I think that's often the way for people to come from a minority background. Yeah. You know, you think that you're going to walk into a room, even for me, like that I'd be the, as Obama says, yeah. um, the, you know, the tall, dark guy with the funny name. Um, you know, but, um, but even though you think people um, sort of profile you in that way, and some do, um, most people don't. Yeah. And it doesn't take them long to realize to, that there's a lot more pick. to yeah. use a person than... than you know, the, out, the, the outward obvious thing that made you famous or made you different. Yeah, and that, that, that's, uh, that's really reassuring to hear because I do think back on those times. And like my ask for you is, you know, did you ever feel that? Being on the international scene, uh, being Leo Fradker, uh, mm. one of our first, if not own, only leading LGBTQI advocates, because I think, I think that's a really important um term like an advocate for equality in in all shapes or forms um did you ever feel that pressure walking into to rooms i i w one thing i would have felt um you know during my first term as Taoiseach uh when i was going over to the u.s uh for the you know the saint patrick's day visit um that in so many ways i, I don't fit the profile of um you know perhaps the irishman that they expect yeah. uh, to turn up because of my appearance because of my name because um because i'm because i'm a member of the LGBT plus community, that 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 might have been a problem. You know, mm -hmm. they they wouldn't have fit the stereotype of what mm -hmm. Irish America believes Irish people look like, and not an issue at all. Mm -hmm. You know, it really wasn't. And you know, sometimes these concerns that you have are are bigger in your own mind yeah. than th than they really need to be. Um, so that was kind of kind of re reassuring. But one thing I think is the strength of Fine Gael is that when it does come to leading progress mm -hmm. and leading social change. 
uh, you know, a lot of people forget that it was uh, a Fine Gael government under Gareth Fitzgerald that put the first referendum on divorce to the Irish people. We didn't win uh, back in the 80s. It was John Bruton who did it again in the 90s. Um, it was under Enda Kenny that we had the referendum uh, on marriage equality and was Fine Gael ministers that turned that into law. And when it came to the Eighth Amendment, you know, Simon Harris's minister, Mias Taoiseach, putting that question to the people and then putting that legislation in place. And there are a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, um, who would love to kind of, you know, airbrush us out of all of that as if we'd nothing to do with it. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to try and pretend that we were at the vanguard um, of those campaigns because we weren't. It was some very brave activists mm. uh, who really started those campaigns long before we became part of it. But part of our strength, like you said, is the people who will stay at the table um, and, you know, ultimately make sure that a decision is made. And what we can do as a party that I think others can't is we can carry the centre. Uh, we can make mm -hmm. sure that uh, those votes are won um, and won by decisive margins uh, and bring people with us and get the legislation done. And there's a role for people who, you know, um, think the politics is all about protest and that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a place for them, but that's not what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we're the people that carry the centre and get things done. Yeah. Um, finally, I mentioned earlier uh, about your first time running for election, uh, it, June 1999. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, was the sun shining? Uh, I think it was most of the time. Yeah, it wasn't. Great. I don't even, remember getting soaked much. Even, even better, because it allows me to segue, segue in quite nicely to this. Uh, number one in the charts at the time was Everybody's Free to Wear Sunscreen yeah. uh, by Baz Luhrmann. Uh, a great piece of music, famous for containing lots of advice uh, on a wide range of issues. And uh, as we conclude, uh, do you have any parting advice for the many women and diverse community members uh, considering getting involved in politics and ultimately leading the change, breaking down those barriers and wanting to be seen, felt, heard uh, in, in politics? Yeah, well, I, I suppose you only have once. Um, and opportunities arise when they do, not necessarily when they suit. Uh, and, you know, I have come across people in, in who have thought about getting involved in politics or going for election, and they kind of said, you know, not not this time, maybe next time. But by the time the next, next time came around, things had changed. There was uh, an incumbent in place, and uh, it wasn't possible for them to go forward, and they kind of regretted it. So I would say to people, uh, opportunities arise when they do and seize them. Um, but also, I'd say to people as well, that there's more to politics than being a candidate. There are lots of people who are involved in different ways, whether it's, uh, you know, as advisors or staff working for TDs as ministers, whether it's in the voluntary party or in the different associations that the party has, you know, like Small Business and the Agriculture Forum and the Women's Network and so on. So there's lots of ways to get involved in politics. Um, and decisions are made by those who turn up um, and those who take part. And um, you can't really complain about X, Y, or Z, uh, if you weren't willing to turn yeah. up and take part. Yeah. Make your voice heard and vote count. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Leo. Thanks for Thank your you. time. Been a pleasure. Uh, and, and delighted uh, you were a part of, uh, and just sharing your journey. Uh, I think it's really important that people hear that. So thank you. Thank you. What a fantastic conversation we just had with Leo. Uh, we discussed everything from his early years and talking politics at his kitchen table, watching the news with his parents to his first election and many since. We looked at the world of equality and what it means to him and even got his advice to women and people from diverse backgrounds to put their hands up and get involved. 
I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I hope you did too. Uh, and if you'd like to learn more about how you could lead the change, uh, visit finnegale.ie forward slash get involved. There's loads of stories uh, from some of our representatives about why they got involved, plus lots of great information uh, about Finnegale and how you could put your hand up and make your voice heard. Next time, I'll be speaking to Minister of State Jennifer Carroll McNeil and uh, from Dunleary County, Dublin, and Councillor Thomasina Connell, who represents Port Leash in County Leash. Look forward to seeing you.